0: That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers.
2: And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact
1: of these drugs from business to health is just beginning.
0: From the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Breaking news tonight out of Las Vegas. Has the blind butcher struck again? That's the question the police have been asking after the body of 55-year-old Peter Brayden was discovered in a motel just off the strip in Las Vegas. Police officially confirmed that Brayden's murder was consistent with the M.O. of the serial killer that was active in the southwestern United States 15 years ago. The Blind Butcher claimed five victims, three of which were found in Denver, Colorado. We're told that the Las Vegas police are working with investigators from Denver on the case. We're awaiting a press conference from the Las Vegas Chief of Police, Emily Woods, and are expecting her to answer the question of whether this marks the return of the Blind Butcher or if this is a copycat killer. Let's go to Aaron Marshall, who is live at the scene.
0: Thanks, Sam. Tension is high in the crowd outside the Las Vegas Police Department tonight as we wait for Police Chief Woods and the lead detectives to give us some answers. The Blind Butcher case has been dormant for quite some time now, so its sudden resurrection has everyone in shock. The last known victim of the Blind Butcher was 40-year-old Thomas Hansen, who was found murdered and mutilated in a downtown Denver motel. Like the other victims, Hansen allegedly was a frequent client of sex workers in the area. Hansen was a husband and a father of two.
4: Most people know Thomas Hansen as the Blind Butcher's last victim and from the graphic way in which he was killed. Stabbed, eyelids cut off, eyeballs removed and placed on his chest, a smile carved into his stomach. Thomas Hansen was my dad. When I remember him, I don't think of the way he died. I think of something else.
2: <laughs> no, 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 Kate. It's like I showed you, remember? No, that's not how you hold a slice of pizza. Look at Jenny. Look at your sister. She's got it. Aha,
5: uh-huh, I'm smarter than you. <laughs> hey,
2: Jenny, don't tease your sister. <laughs> no, your mom's right. You two have to stick together. But now, Kate, now come on. Now fold it over just like Jenny, just like me. Okay, show me.
4: Fold it in half. That's it! That's it!
3: (laughs) Take a
2: bite, okay? Hey, that's it, girl. Isn't that better? You get double the pizza in one bite.
4: (laughs) I remember my dad's laugh. It was infectious. He always had such a joy and passion for living. But... For as happy as he could be, he could also get just as angry. He was never abusive, nothing like that, but he had a short fuse and a towering temper, so when something set him off, he could be downright scary. My dad and I used to fight constantly, mostly because we just didn't understand each other. The last time I ever spoke to him, we were fighting, and what I remember most was the last look he ever gave me, like he didn't even know me at all. My mom was the one who broke the news to us that he was dead, or that he had been murdered. And in the weeks that followed, his name, his face, and his darkest secrets were splashed across every newspaper in the country. During that time, I thought that everyone in the country knew my own father as well as I did, and he didn't feel like mine anymore. He belonged instead to the Blind Butcher.
0: There are a lot of questions circulating among the crowd. There's a definite sense of fear in the air as we continue to await the official statement from police. The one thing I'm hearing over and over all around me, although unsubstantiated, is that the Blind Butcher is back.
2: PARCAST presents Mind's Eye.
4: My twin sister, Jenny, used to say this thing to me when we were growing up that would drive me up the wall. She would look at me, crinkle her nose and say, you're making our face look bad. And it wasn't even the slight on my appearance that bugged me. It was the idea that my face wasn't even my own. I mean, yes, we're identical, but that doesn't make us one person. It still drives me crazy even to this day. In spite of the friction between us growing up, Jenny was the only person who understood how I felt after our dad's murder. It affected us in the same way and led us down different paths with a shared destination, seeking justice for his murder. I became a cop. Jenny became a lawyer. She's now a partner at her firm in Los Angeles. If anyone was going to help me figure out why I was reenacting my father's murder in my dreams, it was Jenny.
5: Kate, yeah, I saw the news.
4: Don't do that. Don't do what? The freaky twin thing. Answering my question before I even get to ask it. I just, I have too much weird stuff going on in my life right now.
5: Yeah, I know what you mean. It's so weird seeing the news stories again. Hearing the blind butcher is back.
4: I feel like a teenager again. Sneaking out of bed to watch the news stories about Dad. Mom catching us, yelling at us until we went back to bed. Have you talked to Mom? No, not yet. Putting that off for as long as I can.
5: Wish I had taken that strategy. I went with the the pull-the-band-aid-off-in-one-fell-swoop approach. And? Asked her what she thought about the blind butcher being back... She asked me if that was a restaurant.
4: (laughs) Mom.
5: Of course she would pretend not to remember the name of our father's killer. It's not like she even cared about what happened to Dad.
4: Jenny, come on. Don't do that. She cared, but it was more complicated for her. He was cheating on her.
5: So what, that makes it okay for her not to care he was killed? We don't know if half of those stories were true anyway.
4: Let's just drop it, okay? How are you doing?
5: I'm... dealing. Kate, what is it?
4: It's gonna sound crazy.
5: Then you found your audience. Tell me.
4: I told Jenny everything about my dreams. Every single detail. More detail than I ever told Miles. When it came to the, you know, sex stuff. She listened, didn't interrupt me once. When I was finished, she was quiet. Jenny? Please, say something.
5: You said you've had multiple dreams, but the latest victim was found two days ago. When did your dreams start?
4: That's the thing. They started before the body was found, before the news about the blind butcher came out. They'd been happening for the last two months.
5: And you're not just witnessing the murders, you're acting them out in the role of the killer?
4: Yes. Jenny, please, what... What's happening to me?
5: Kate, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. But I can tell you what I think. I think that this is a sign. It's a sign that we're going to find Dad's killer.
4: (sighs) Jenny, come on. I'm
5: serious. I think these dreams are happening now to finally wake you up. You've lived your life letting Dad's murder become a footnote in your story. We all have.
4: I don't know if that's entirely true.
5: Dad's murder can't just be background noise in our lives anymore. That's what these dreams mean. We've never been able to heal from Dad's death. And your dreams are a part of that. I'm worried you'll never be able to sleep again until you find Dad's killer. Until we find Dad's killer. And we will do that. Together.
4: God, I miss you.
5: I know you do.
4: I had been trying to solve my dad's murder my whole life. But I had always done it in secret. I had let people stand in my way. My mom, Eric even miles. Jenny's words rung in my ears. How could I keep sitting by and let other people keep dropping the ball? I know more about this case than anyone else. And I have more motivation than anyone else to solve it. And so, I was resolved that I would do whatever it took to find my father's killer. And no one was going to stop me.
6: Dead end. We had a tip about a sex worker in the East Colfax area who was a med school dropout. Based on the surgical precision of the way the blind butcher removes the eyeballs of the victims, we thought the killer would likely have some kind of medical training. We tracked the girl down, but it turned out she had developed early onset Parkinson's disease. Hands wouldn't stop shaking. That's why she had to drop out of school, couldn't repay her loans she had already taken out. Now she's on the street. Oh, but now I'm rambling. Have to start from the beginning tomorrow, again. No suspects, no solid leads. So for now, we'll just keep chasing shadows.
4: February 5th. Detective notes on case file number 349. The man on that tape was the first lead detective in the Blind Butcher investigation. Detective David Cole. Eric was a detective on the case, too. One of the first cases he was ever assigned to. He's remained on the case ever since. (sighs) Oh, oh, sorry. I'll cut that out later, if I can figure this thing out. God, I'm just exhausted. I haven't slept much. Okay, I haven't slept at all. I usually try to stay away from caffeine. It makes me too jittery. But it's all that's keeping me upright at this point. I've managed to get my hands on a lot of the materials on my dad's case over the years, making copies of everything I could get my hands on. If I ever got caught doing it, I'd be fired. No one knows I have these things. Not even Miles. I mean,. He knows that I've been looking into my dad's murder on my own, but he doesn't know the full extent of it. It's not his burden. (sighs) Um, I should probably cut that out later, too, just in case. Cole chased down leads until he retired from the force a few years ago. He did the best he could, but he was never able to even name a suspect. What he did get right was the Blind Butcher's M.O.
6: Lures victim into motel room. They have sex. After sex, or possibly during, the victim is stabbed. Then the victim's eyelids are removed and the eyeballs are taken out and put on their chest. And then a crescent shape is carved into the stomach, giving the appearance of a happy face on the victim's torso. Before leaving the scene, the killer wipes the victim's down Cleans the area with bleach-based cleaning solution to remove fingerprints, DNA evidence. The victim is left lying on the hotel bed, on display, to be found by housekeeping or motel staff. What does it all mean? Mostly that looking at all those removed eyeballs has made me never want to eat grapes again.
4: I've put together my own profile of the blind butcher over the years. Most likely female, 20s to 40s. Sadomasochist, Medical background of some kind, maybe as a doctor, or a nurse, or a coroner. In my opinion, the blind butcher could have been a dominatrix, or at least interested in BDSM. A few of the sex workers that were questioned had connections to BDSM establishments in the area, but none of them matched the rest of the profile. <sighs> The way that the victim's bodies were displayed, with the smiley face on the torso, suggests to me that the killer is taunting police, has a sense of authority or superiority. It's not enough to kill these men, but then she uses their bodies to mock the police, mock all of us. It's like she's laughing at us, taking joy in our pain. Damn it, it got on the files.
1: Kate, you okay?
4: Yeah, everything's fine. You all right? Yeah, I just spilled hot coffee, right on my leg. Um, Will you toss me those paper towels?
1: Here, I'll clean this up, you sit. Thank you. Maybe you should take it easy on the coffee for a while. (laughs) You know, there's this study about caffeine and baby mice.
4: Honey, I'm not a baby mouse.
1: Hmm. Right. Ah. I guess you do have more hair. (laughs) I do. You sure everything's okay?
4: Yeah. Yeah. Hey, give me those paper towels. Let's see if I can make this. Score! (laughs) See? I'm completely fine. Wouldn't be able to make a trash can free throw if I wasn't.
1: Oh, good. Hey, uh, I was thinking, you want to continue our interview? Palmer's coming over in a bit. I told him he could observe an interview in process, maybe ask some questions himself.
4: No. I mean, not right now. I'm busy.
1: What are you doing today? You aren't sleeping.
4: I, I just, I don't want to.
1: Did I... Do something?
4: No, it's nothing.
1: You're picking at your nails. That's how I know something's wrong.
4: I'm just twitchy. Too much caffeine, you're right. I, I need to move around. Uh huh. I'm going out.
1: Your pants are dry. What? what? What happened to the spilled coffee on your leg?
4: There, there wasn't that much. I'm going to the office. I gotta talk to Eric. What about? The case we're on, don't worry.
1: I know I'm not the detective, but... Don't
4: get jealous of Eric. It's just work. Miles had a reason to be jealous of Eric. As much as Miles wanted to help me, I believed Eric was the only person who could. So, I pushed Miles away. I had always kept my investigation from Miles, but this time it felt different. I had never outwardly lied to him before. I should have known that meant I was taking things too far. On the way to the station I called Leslie hoping she could help me get my head together. Hey Leslie do you have a minute?
6: Oh, Kate, I'm so glad you called. It's so refreshing to talk to a grown up and not shout over screaming children. How are things?
4: Things are. Ah!
6: What did we say about pinching? That we do not pinch! So sorry, Kate. The kid's just in rare form today. But this is about you. How are you doing? Uh,
4: Miles is constantly on my case. He wouldn't leave me alone this morning, and it's getting. No!
6: We do not use your brother's head as a broom. Put him down. Put him down. Are you sure you and Miles aren't interested in having kids right now? Because you can have one of mine. Take your pick.
4: Um, do you need to talk later or something?
6: Okay, that's it. You're both in big trouble now. Leslie?
4: Okay. (laughs) Okay. I guess.
2: Hold the elevator!
1: Palmer, I told you to stay in the car.
2: You also said to be more proactive during my last evaluation. So, which is it? Don't worry. I'll just take notes.
1: This isn't business related. This is personal, okay? I'm here for my wife.
2: But the story is about your wife, so doesn't that make this business related?
1: It's more complicated than that. Those files that you found- I
2: swear I was only looking for agave. I can't believe you people don't have it. And you told me to make myself a coffee, so it's your fault. But look at it this way. It's a huge break in the story. Kate, sneaking around, investigating off-duty. Are you recording this? In a word. How are you feeling right now? You tell me, Palmer.
1: Palmer, please, turn off the recorder.
2: Okay.
4: Eric, remember when you said your worst dreams are about dead kids from past cases? But it's not dead kids, is it? It's only one kid that you see dead over and over again. Your son, Charlie. But then you get to wake up and see your son alive and well. Because for you, it's just a nightmare. For me, my dad being dead is a nightmare I will never wake up from.
7: Kate, you know police protocol.
4: I just need to find some kind of justice. The same way you would want to find justice if it was your family. What would you do? What would you do if it was Charlie? Fine.
7: Sit down. One last warning. It won't be pretty.
4: That's the thing, Eric. I don't want the tidied up version. I want it all. Miles, what are you doing here?
7: I need to
2: talk to you. Hey, kid, turn that off. I'm with Miles. We're doing a story.
1: You're here for your story? And you brought Palmer? Uh, no, we we're working from the house. What, should I have just left him there alone?
4: I still don't get it. What are you doing here?
1: I'm here to stop you from doing something you're going to regret.
7: And believe me, she's already started.
4: Miles, you don't understand this.
1: Please, go home. I understand enough. I found the files. They're still damp from the coffee you said you spilled on yourself. What else are you hiding from me? Are those police
7: records? What were they doing outside of your office? Oh,
2: yeah. The case files on the blind butcher. All the tapes and stuff. Ugh, It's crazy. You
7: went through
1: my things? No, I mean, not intentionally, but I saw your notebooks full of research and notes dating all the way back to before we were married. This has been something you've hidden from me the entire time we've known each other. I've read some of it. You're obsessed. Miles, you need to back off. You have case files and tapes. What the
2: hell have you been up to? Well, Kate's been having these dreams about screwing and killing her dad. I'm
4: not leaving. And I can't believe you're all standing in the...
2: Hello, I'm... Kate? Whoa. What's happening? She's about to faint. Kate... Grab her! I got her. Oh god. Oh oh god, what's going on? Honey.
1: Uh, Okay, she still has a pulse.
2: We need help over here! Kate! Kate,
1: wake up! She's convulsive! Has this happened before? Uh, Only at
2: night. Oh (laughs) Oh my god. I've never seen someone die before. Palmer, go get some water. (laughs) Kate! 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 (laughs) Wake up,
1: Kate! Call an ambulance! What are you doing? You just hit her. Are you crazy? I'm trying to wake her up. It's not helping. Kate, Kate. Over oh. here. Over here. It's real. It's real. Wait, 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 what, Kate. What are you saying? Clear some room, people. We've got medics coming in.
4: It's real, Miles. What I'm seeing is real. I just saw it. I th- the blind butcher. The blind butcher just killed it again, and I saw it. I'm seeing it. They're not dreams. They're real.
7: What the hell did she just say?
4: It's real. <laughs> it's real.
7: Do you often daydream, Kate? Kate? Miles had to go to quite some lengths to convince your supervisors to release you into his care. I need to provide a report on whether or not you are fit to return to duty. Unless I should report that you are mentally incapable of participating in these sessions.
4: It wasn't a daydream. I'm not raving about some fantasy I made up.
7: Mm. Do you often find it hard to keep yourself from falling asleep or waking up?
4: Yes, but I've been feeling so off-kilter recently. I've been choosing not to go to sleep because I don't want to see another murder.
7: I see. Can you describe to me what happened at the police station? How did you feel before and after you collapsed? Not during. You remember the episode?
4: It was the most awake I've ever felt as I dreamt. Um, it started, well, I was feeling so overwhelmed by everything that was happening. And then it was like some far-off voice was calling me, drawing me away from reality and into my mind. And I tried to fight it off, but I couldn't. It pulled me in, and then I was there in the bedroom. I knew exactly what I, er, well, I mean, what the killer, what the killer was about to do. But even though I was more aware, I still wasn't in control. It just made me feel more and more powerless than ever. As I, as I gouged an innocent man's eyes out.
7: Hmm. Have you ever heard of progressive dreams? No, but that's not... Let me explain. Progressive dreams are when a person dreams the same thing over and over again. Sometimes the details vary, but in general the overall dream remains the same. Like you stated, you knew exactly what to expect in your dream. Yes. It's believed that people have these types of dreams to help them solve a problem or something in their lives they can't find a solution for. Perhaps reenacting your father's murder over and over in your dreams is your subconscious's way of helping you heal from the trauma it's caused you.
4: Actually, I think that's exactly what's happening.
7: Ah. Can you expand upon that? Just in your own words, how do you believe these dreams are helping you?
4: These dreams are going to help me solve my father's murder.
7: Oh. Uh, I didn't quite mean that. I meant that the dreams would help you resolve the trauma of the event.
4: Right. I'll I'll resolve the trauma of the event by solving the case.
7: I'm not sure you understand my meaning. Progressive dreams are meant to help you figuratively solve a problem. Dreams not meant to give you clues to solve a murder case. I'm not
4: having dreams. You're not? What I'm seeing is real. I'm seeing the real killer committing these murders. And I'm going to use that to help me find whoever this person is and stop them.
7: Uh, Thank you, Kate. Uh, Why don't you sit here for a moment? I'm going to go across the hall to have a prescription written for you by Dr. Kazarian. She's a psychiatrist. In the meantime... Miles, you can come in now. I'll return shortly. He seemed dour. Did something happen?
4: I told him the truth. Isn't that what you're supposed to do in therapy?
1: This isn't exactly therapy, Kate. This is a mental evaluation. What did you say?
4: I told him that the dreams that I'm having are real. That it's not my mind reenacting the trauma of my father's murder. It's me seeing these new murders as they happen. Don't look at me like that. How can you look at me like that?
1: Oh, Kate.
4: What? What are you thinking?
1: I never should have pushed you this far. This is my fault. I forced you to overthink these dreams with my story. I am sorry. I am so sorry. You don't believe me. Oh, Kate. I'm sorry.
4: I'm telling the truth. This is what I believe. This is real.
1: What have I done?
4: I don't blame Marty for thinking I was mentally unstable. I know how crazy I must have sounded to him. What hurt was Miles. The person I trusted most in the world. The person who always had faith in me. Who cared about me more than anyone else. What do you do when that person thinks you're crazy? And if Miles didn't believe me, Will anyone? I don't need anyone to believe me, though. I don't have time to waste trying to convince people that the dreams I'm having are real. What I need to focus on is finding my father's killer before anyone else is murdered. Before I have another... vision. So, I'll take the pills they prescribe me. I'll go along with what I'm told to do. But I won't stop the investigation. I won't stop until I find the person who took my father away from me.
2: Kate, what are you doing back over here? Go play with your sister. Have fun.
4: Kate, come on. (laughs) I just wanted to say, I love you, Daddy. Forever and ever.
2: (laughs) I love you too, Katie Kate.
4: You didn't say forever and ever.
2: Oh, <laughs> forever and ever.
1: <laughs> Mind's Eye was produced by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the ParCast Network. It was developed by Maggie Admire and Max Cutler. Sound designed by Ron Shapiro. This episode was written by Catherine Lewis and Maggie Admire, with production assistance by Carly Madden. Original story by Ron Cutler and Howard Cohn. It stars, in alphabetical order, Mike Capozzi, Amber Connor, Janine Gibbons, Kimberly Holland, Mick Lambeth, Harris Markson, Nicholas Masue, Sammy Nye, Steve Pinto, Greg Paulson, Vanessa Richardson, and Carter Roy.